All right, folks, new episode, The Detroiter. Welcome back. Thank you for listening. Thanks for being here. I am Nick Bradley. We're going to be covering sports in the Motor City and the Mitten State today, presented by The Second String and thesecondstring.com. I appreciate everybody listening. I appreciate the support. I appreciate everyone who shares, leaves comments, sends messages, buys the T-shirts, anything you do, even if it's just, oh, you like the TikTok, I'll fucking take it. So I appreciate you guys. Let's get into it today. I was initially going to do a Michigan State season in review, but I sat down I thought about it. We're already starting to creep up on the time of year where not shit's going on. Like we're starting to get to that point where it's like, all right, the Red Wings are kind of cooling off. The Pistons have been cooled off since the season started. It really is just Michigan State and Michigan college basketball. That's the only real interesting thing we have going on. While I do, I watch the Red Wings lose to Chicago tonight and the Red Wings are playing and they do still have exciting things. Obviously the Pistons have Cade who went fucking nuclear for 34, eight, eight, four and two things are still happening. Noteworthy things are still happening. They're few and far between. And then once that's it, once we talk about Cade being awesome, what else is there to talk about? The Pistons being fucking terrible. Once we talk about Mo Sider or Lucas Raymond being awesome or Dylan Larkin, yeah, but they're not going to make the playoffs. And, you know, we're already kind of starting to enter that stage as far as the Red Wings are concerned where it's like, damn, this season's just over. I said at the beginning of the year in my preseason Red Wings pod, I want to just just keep me interested. The goal isn't to make the playoffs. It's not to win the Stanley Cup. The goal this year, just keep me involved, keep me invested as long as you possibly can. Keep me tuned in. Keep me excited every time you play until March, until April. Like just as long as you can, keep me into it. And we've they did a great job. F- fucking huge improvement compared to the last five, six years. But after tonight in Chicago, their third straight loss again. Feels like their 20th three-game losing streak this year. It really is uncanny how this team just – they're not capable of losing and then winning the next night. It's not its not a possibility. I was talking to my buddy. Has that happened? I'm sure it has. I can't remember a time. It, honest to God, feels like every time the Red Wings lose one game, automatically two more. Every time they lose one, they lose three. Like – they cannot lose a game and then go out and win the next one. They they can't do it. They either lose three in a row or they win three in a row. Like, it's unbelievable, but it feels like we're finally at that point where as bullish as you want to be about the Red Wings, as positive vibes only, and you guys know I'm usually positive vibes guy, as positive vibes as you want to be, they got, what, four or five games? Boston has four or five games in hand on us. They're like eight points up already. Like, it, we're just at the point where – they're just not going to make it. Like they got to go on like an eight game win streak or something crazy. They got to do what St. Louis did when they won the cup. They just got to rip off games. They haven't shown that they can. And they've showed that, Hey, maybe you won't go on an eight game win streak, but win eight out of the next 10. They've shown that they can't do that. They've shown that they lose one. All of a sudden they lose three. So I'm, I think it's safe to say, and at least personally, I'm at the point where it's like, all right, Red Wings are chalked. Red Wings are chalked. I'm still going to tune in. I still want to watch because I want to see Larkin play. I want to see Bertuzzi play. I want to see Lucas Raymond. I want to see Mo Sider. They are vastly, vastly more entertaining than they have been in years past, which 
winning and losing aside, playoffs, no playoffs aside, just the fact that they're fun to watch is like, that's like enough for me. It's a massive upgrade in alone. So I will still be watching, but we've hit the point where my heart's not in it. I got a little pissed tonight. I'm not going to lie. They blew or they didn't blow a lead to Chicago. They got down 3-0 early, demoralizing, pathetic, brought it all the way back. It was 4-3, gave up two more, 6-3, demoralizing, pathetic, brought it back 6-5, gave up two more, lost 8-5, demoralizing, pathetic. Tonight was the last straw for me. Like I said, I'll still watch, but tonight was the last straw as far as me being all in me getting upset, me getting emotional over them. And I'm not sitting here crying. (laughs) I wish I was, but I'm sitting here. They give up two unanswered. They make it six, five, and then they give up the next goal within a minute. I'm, I'm prepared. I just cooked up some chicken. I'm prepared to throw my chicken across the room like that where I'm visibly frustrated. I have tension in the shoulders. All of a sudden my fist, it's Arthur's meme. Like that has happened. That happened tonight. It's four, three. We're looking good. LCA is getting loud. Pew Suter just tucked one right where mama keeps the cookies. I'm feeling good. I'm happy. They're going to come back. They're fighting. And then next I blink and it's six, three. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to put my hand on the burning hot skillet like that. Those days are gone this season. I'm done with that for this year. It's just, it's not worth it. It's not going to happen to Boston's too good. They have way too much of it. Even if Boston was bad, they just have such a cushion. They have games in hand and they still have a points cushion. It's just, that's not going to fly. And as good as the Red Wings can be, and they've gone on some streaks, three, four in a row, as good as they can be. And even though they have playmakers, Larkin, Raymond, all these guys we name, they still have so many fucking weak spots. Danny DeKaiser. How is he still on the team? Mark Stahl just gave a goal, gave a goal away. I think it was Strom in front. The only thing Mark Stahl has to do is tie up his stick. Now, instead, Mark Stahl is just going to hang out with him. See how the kids are doing. How's the wife doing? Oh, what are you doing after the game? You want to get, you want to get dinner? He's just going to let him use his stick freely right in front of the net. DeKaiser, Stahl, stink, stink. Nick Letty, just here, take the puck, Chicago. We just made it 6-5. We're here. Take it. Barry one. Put us out of our misery. Terrible. The blue line, pathetic. The depth after the first two lines, pathetic. Which, granted, I think for the most part in the NHL, after your first two lines, you're not expecting a ton of production from the <clears throat> excuse me from the third and fourth line guys. But it'd be nice. It'd be nice to at least have like the threat of production. (laughs) You don't necessarily need to be raking up points. You don't need to be scoring goals on the fourth line. It'd be nice for you to like throw a shot at the net. It'd be nice for me as a viewer to feel, Oh, maybe they'll do something. Not. I know for sure that they won't like the depth just isn't there. If it's not Larkin Raymond and Nemesnikov, or if it's not the Guelph line, uh, Fabry Bertuzzi Suter, nothing's going to happen. That's just the way it is. And as far as the power play goes, if it's not the first unit on the power play with Mo Sider heading it up, nothing's going to happen. And that sucks. That sucks, but that's what it is. That's it's fucking, there's nothing you can do at this point, right? You can make some trades. We'll see if Stevie's got some things up his sleeve, but it is what it is. And when Nadelkovic isn't being Nadelkovic and he's not bailing out dog shit, blue line play, 
you give up eight goals in a game. And when you give up eight goals in a game, it is very fucking challenging to win that game. And that's what happened tonight. They lost. And, and that's why not only the Boston cushion, but that's why I'm like, okay, I'll still tune in. It's still fun. I still like watching hockey, but no more like, oh, I need to see a Red Wings win tonight. No more. I'm going to be upset. I'm saying this. I probably will. <laughs> it's just human nature in me. I've referenced it with the Lions where it's like week 10 and the Lions are 0-9. And at this point, yeah, let's just it's probably good to just lose. But I physically can't watch the Lions and not care. I just can't do it. Like it's my DNA, my fucking genetic makeup won't let that happen. That's what's going to happen with the Red Wings. I'm sitting here talking. Oh, I won't care anymore. It's whatever. I'm going to watch the Red Wings whenever they play next. And I'll be fucking annoyed. I will be frustrated. I'll be shooting off text messages like, what the fuck is going on? It just is what it is. But we're going to scale it back. I've lost the investment. I was riding the high. I was convincing myself. You never know. They might, you know, they might sneak into the playoffs. It's over. I've given up on on the dream. Now, the positive to that, the positive to that, we're going to get another crack at the lottery. If things go according to plan, and if this team and this roster projects and carries on the trend that I think that they will, I think probably most people believe the trend that they're on where like next year playoffs, this is going to be the last crack at the lottery in the Steve Eiserman era, barring any trades for draft picks. So as annoying as it is and as sad as it is to kind of we're in the end of January, which is much better than they've done in years past. We're cut. We're at the end of the January and we've hit the point where it's ah, there. I mean, they're not going to make it this year as much as that sucks. At least they're going to get one more crack at the lottery. There's a generational player in the lottery. Shane, Wright. The Red Wings have not been gifted lottery positioning since they've had the lottery. Detroit's a huge market. Detroit would be a franchise that it would make sense to. Oh, that's crazy. They moved up 13 spots in the lottery and got Shane Wright. That's fucking weird. How'd that happen? Detroit is a prime candidate for that to happen. There is some good to come out of this season kind of being over. There is some good to to being out of the rat race. So it is what it is. Like we said at the beginning of the year, we no one expected this season to be anything crazy. We're not we weren't expecting them to make the playoffs. We weren't even expecting them to ever be in a position where I'm sitting here recording podcasts, talking about them maybe being in the playoffs. So all things considered, it's been a great year. It's just now we've kind of, it's time we're facing the music. It's like, oh, the ugly girls looking in the mirror, like, oh, wow, we actually, we are fat. That we're, we're, that's not just our imagination. We are fat. Our faces are disgusting to look at. That is where we're at right now. It is what it is. So that's the Red Wings update. Pistons. Pistons, Pistons, Pistons. Cade fucking Cunningham. I must say, didn't watch a moment of the Nuggets-Pistons game. Cade Cunningham, 34 points, eight rebounds, eight assists, four steals, two blocks. Monster stat line. Bigger than monster. Frankenstein-type shit with that stat line. Frankenstein meets Jason meets Michael Myers, meets fucking the bad guy in the Chronicles of Narnia, meets Doodle Bob. Next level villain levels from Cade Cunningham. I mean, when you're on a list where it's you and some dude named Michael Jordan, and that's it, 
you're doing you're doing something ridiculous. Like if if that isn't crazy to you, think about this for for a quick second. Every year LeBron adds himself to more of those lists, but every time LeBron is on some all-time list, it's MJ. There's Kareem. There's Magic. There's Cade Cunningham did something that only Michael Jordan has done. Only Michael Jordan and Cade Cunningham, not LeBron James, not the guy that millions would argue is the best player of all time. Not him. Cade Cunningham did it though. Like that's bananas. That's bananas. And I'll tell you what, I couldn't be happier for Pistons fans for the diehards. I'm open about it. Like, I don't really give a shit about the Pistons. If they were good, I'd watch the Pistons. Don't get it twisted. If they were good, I'd watch the Pistons. When they play, I'd like to see the Pistons win. I actually have been to a handful of Pistons games this season. But I'm not locking in. I'm not tuning in. I get home from work, Pistons. I'm not I'm not there. I'm not even close to there. I don't even consider throwing on the Pistons, to be honest with you. I'm happy. I'm happy for the people that do. I'm happy for the people that put in the time, the people that have suffered through the last 13 years. And the Pistons haven't always been the worst team in the league, had a lot of eight seed, nine seed, 10 seed years, which is, you know, why they're in the position they're in today. But it's like the Red Wings. Like we've suffered through some shit five, six years. Now we got Raymond. Now we got Cider. Now we got things to look forward to. We got things to get excited about. It's like Pistons fans now. You've suffered. You had to suffer again. They still fucking lost to the Nuggets. How Cade Cunningham, how Cade Cunningham has 34, 8, 8, 4, and 2, and you still lose will blow my mind until the day that I die. How Cade Cunningham does something that only Michael Jordan has done and you still fucking lose. I, I don't know what you want me to say. I mean, that's that's truly mind-blowing. That is the definition of mind-blowing. You can't win that game. 34 points, eight boards, eight assists, four steal or four blocks, two steals, and you lose. How? How the fuck? How the fuck is that possible? What's the what's the rest of the team look like? Who's on the rest of the team? Like I swear to God, how is that possible? I'm happy for Pistons fans. I'm happy for Cade, right? I would imagine he's annoyed. It can't be fun playing on teams that suck. I played on teams that suck. I was nowhere near the level Cade Cunningham is, even in proportion. Like, I wasn't the Cade Cunningham of any high school team I played on. I played on some loser fucking teams, and losing is the worst, bro. Losing is the worst. I've done my spiel on losing when it comes to the Lions. It really is the fucking worst, and I can't imagine how much worse it is when you know you're the shit and everybody else around you stinks. Like being Cade Cunningham and showing up every day, and you're like, all right, I'm 19. I'm easily the best player here. I've won at every level, not necessarily championships, but like I've won more than I've lost. I've been on good teams. I've been on over 500 teams. I'm that guy. I'm nasty. I'm 19, and the NBA is easy for me. Oh, but all these other guys I play with are fucking bums and we lose anyway. I just had a career day. I just put the MVP on ice skates, Nikola Jokic, which you hate to see, piston on Serb crime. That's like, that's me going against me. That sucks. He put Jokic on ice skates 
and you still lose, I'd imagine that's fucking annoying. And the guy, the kind of guy Kate is, the type of leader, the type of player he is, he's not going to go into the locker room. What the fuck's wrong with you guys? He's not going to be pointing the finger and getting all, you know, getting crazy about it, causing a divide. He won't be doing that. But humans are humans. Humans are humans. Cade Cunningham is still a human. You don't think he gets home last night after going crazy, after doing something only Michael Jordan has done? You don't think he gets home, pours himself a glass of the house red, hops in the warm bath, and is sitting there thinking, damn, this fucking sucks. I'm playing my dick off. I'm doing shit that hasn't been done since Michael Jordan. And we're losing? You don't think he has that inner dialogue? I feel like it'd be very difficult not not to. You don't think he doesn't have a little bit of resentment? Like, damn, Isaiah Stewart, let's look at what he did tonight. Zero points, five rebounds, and fouled out or whatever he did? Oof. I thought he was supposed to be a contributor. I thought that was supposed to be like one of the young pieces moving forward. That's not going to – zero points? That won't do. Let's look at what Killian Hayes did. Oh, also nothing. The seventh overall pick the year before. I thought he was supposed to be a contributor, and I've been it kind of a Killian guy. I'm not rolling out the fucking Killian Hayes parade, but people have called for his head. People have shit on him. I was going to say doubted. They've shit on him. And I've kind of been like, hey, he's still 19. He's 20. He was injured. Let's, Let's pump the brakes. Let's give him some time. He's had some time, and he hasn't done shit. He hasn't even flashed. And Cade Cunningham, you don't think he thinks about that? Like I would. If I was Cade, the only other guy that gives you help is Sadiq Bey, and it took him 30 games to do so. Like you, That's fucking annoying, bro. You're, you're the rookie. You're the 19-year-old. You're not supposed to be the only competent piece of the team. Troy Weaver's supposed to be a great GM. You're not supposed to be the only guy that contributes to winning. But there you are, dropping stat lines that haven't been done since the fucking greatest of all time, and you guys are losing? That shit's got away. That shit has at least has to enter Cade's mind. And I don't want to – we won't go down that path today because that is – that's not even like negative. That's just depressing. That's sad, the thought of Cade being like, well, should we give uh, James Dolan a call? Should we maybe, I don't know, call LeBron, call Rich Paul, see what, if the Lakers will have us? Like the fact that that might be happening is any, it's, it's just, <clears throat> it's just like makes you want to just crawl up under the covers and go to sleep for the next hundred years. So we won't talk about that, but we will talk about Cade being elite. As bad as, as bad, ugh, I can't fucking talk. As bad as it is for the Pistons, as bad as they've been this year. And since I was in, what, fifth grade, it feels good to see that there's something. And like I said, I'm not the staunchest Pistons fan. I'm not tuning in for the Tuesday night game against the Denver Nuggets. But as a person who I would like the Pistons to succeed, I would like there to be a time in my life where the Pistons are sweet. I would like there to be a day where the Tuesday night game against the Nuggets, yeah, that's must-watch television. I would like to watch a playoff series that I don't know we're going to get swept in. Like there are a lot of things that I would like to happen to the Pistons. I would, I would imagine if the Pistons got to that point, like not even championship caliber, if the Pistons could get where Philly 
has been the last five or six years where every year they have a good regular season. They've got good players. They win a playoff series, maybe two. Like they're at least interesting in the playoffs, right? They're worth watching. They're worth paying attention to. If the Pistons could get to that point, I feel like I would genuinely become maybe not a huge NBA fan, but I would become an NBA fan solely because of that. It's so hard for me to become a fan of something or to like really dive in when I just don't have a rooting interest. I don't have a team. I like Golden State. I love Steph Curry. I don't like him that much. I don't watch all 82 of the Golden State Warriors. Friday night we're pregaming. Yeah, I'll throw Golden State on. Like I'm about I'm watching TV for a half hour before I go to bed. Yeah, I'll throw Golden State on. I'm still not locked in. I'm not following game by game by game. I got no clue what their record is. If the Pistons got to that point, a team I can really get behind, I think I would be kind of locked in. I wouldn't be shams. I'm not going to be fucking woge, but I'd be a little tuned in. Like I'd know what's going on. I'd probably watch like a game, maybe two games a week. I'd be there and I'd want to be there. It's like the Bulls right now. How pathetic have the Bulls been for how long? All of a sudden, they're the best team in the East. Chicago, it's like Jordan's back. It's like the Bulls never left. You would think, like, the Bulls are the biggest thing in town, dude. The Saturday night, you go to the fucking Bulls game. You follow Barstool Chicago, those guys can't get enough of the Bulls, and none of those guys are really NBA dudes. Like, I want that for myself, selfishly. I want that for you guys. I want that for people in Detroit. And I've said this a a ton. Detroit is a basketball city. Michigan's a basketball state. People here want that so bad. There's a reason Michigan basketball is so great and has so many people that care. Same with MSU. You don't think that would happen with the Stones? Like, just give us a reason. And it's good to see that Cade looks like he'll become that reason. He needs some help. It's a team game. It's five people on the floor, right? He can't do it alone. He still is 19 years old. But it feels fucking incredible to to log on to Twitter and see, wow, Cade Cunningham did something tonight that only Michael Jordan's done. That feels good when you just spent a number one overall pick on him. The first time your franchise is at number one in forever. It feels good the way we celebrated, not only when they drafted Cade, the way we celebrated when they won the lottery to draft Cade. Like, it feels good. It's reassuring. It's heartwarming that it's coming to fruition that it's going to plan. Cause if Cade wasn't that guy and people, Oh, Cade's a bust, but like three games into his career when he was injured, idiots, first off, second off, if you, can you imagine if that was the case, Cade just is Darko 2.0. I think they'd maybe relocate the Pistons to Seattle. Honest to God, honest to God. I think they'd relocate the Pistons. I think if Cade leaves, Cade ends his first contract and signs in New York or Miami or wherever, I think they might relocate the Pistons anyway. And you know what? Fucking fair enough, dude, because Tom Gores hasn't done dick to try and fix him. But thankfully, Cade seems to be that guy. He seems to want to be here. Seems to be a dude you can win with. Dave Bing, moron. You can't. He's not a championship player. Cade seems like he for sure is a championship player. He just needs help. It's good to see we got the cornerstone. We're going to have another pick this year. Let's get Banchero. Let's get Jabari Smith. Let's get this dude some help. Let's get the Pistons fucking back. Let's get the Pistons back in the lives of Detroiters. Let's get the Pistons back on ESPN. Let's make the Pistons cool again, dude. The Pistons are meant to be cool. It's fucking Detroit. Everything's meant to be cool. It's a basketball city. They're going to work Pistons. The bad boy Pistons. Back to work Pistons.
Let's get them going. Quick break. We'll talk Michigan, Michigan State this weekend. Michigan, Michigan State, Saturday at the Breslin. This is why we do it. This is why we do it, guys. This is why you go to Michigan. This is why you go to Michigan State. This is why you tough out those out-of-conference games in November. This is why you follow the recruiting boards. This is why you fire off 14 tweets during the Illinois game talking about Izzo's bum rotations. This is why you're firing off tweets and texting your buddies questioning, is Juwan Howard actually the guy? This is why you want to pull your hair out. This is why you watch games. And during the game, you're talking to yourself like, this fucking sucks, dude. I'm not having any fun at all. I'm actually just getting angry. Why is it that I do this? This is why. This is why. Days like Saturday. Games like Saturday, this matchup, this rivalry. It's why we do it. It's why you're a sports fan. It's why you're a sports fan in the state of Michigan. There's nothing sweeter than Michigan, Michigan State. There really isn't. We've talked extensively around the football rivalry. And we know, I think it's probably more known within the state and certainly nationally that the football rivalry like is the real fucking deal. This basketball rivalry fucks though. Like this basketball rivalry goes hard, always evenly matched, always trading blows, even though Michigan's headed towards the NIT, you know, not great state as it stands right now, they're going to drop because they lost to Illinois is ranked number 10. Even though both programs are kind of in different spots, it's one of those games where I don't give a fuck where you are. Throw them out. Throw out the record books. Throw out the rivalries. It's, or not, don't throw out the rivalry. Throw out the record books, though. Keep the rivalry because it being a rivalry is what's going to make it anybody can win. One of my favorite days of the year. The two times state in Michigan playing basketball, two of my favorite days of the year. I, I'm so happy they're doing it on a Saturday, too. And actually, now that I think about it, do they always play on a Saturday? I feel like every time this game comes around, it's a Saturday day game. I'm not complaining, though. It's perfect. I wouldn't want it on any other day, but I cannot wait. Breslin's going to be rocking. The first time Michigan's been at Breslin with a crowd since COVID, that place is going to be fucking bananas, especially with MSU coming off that loss at Illinois, the team's going to be playing angry. The fans are going to be hungry. By God, I hope Izzo's hungry. It's tough to tell, though, the way he plays some of these lineups, the way he seemingly has the laissez-faire attitude of, oh, whatever. If we lose, we lose. Um, I'll keep Joey Hauser and A.J. Hogart out there, though. If we lose, it's whatever. I just want those guys to play. The way Izzo has that attitude, hopefully he checks that weak shit at the door Saturday because we are going to need some killer instinct. Michigan all of a sudden is feeling pretty good. Beat Northwestern today, even though I think they almost blew the game. Beat Indiana the a uh, couple days before that. Michigan's probably feeling pretty good. They finally have kind of found their stride a little bit. They've strung together a couple wins. Like I said, it's the rivalry game. It's Michigan State. You're on drugs. If you think Michigan's coming in Saturday, like, oh, damn, we're not that good this year. Oh, man, this sucks. Uh, Fuck no. You're on drugs, if you think that's what, and not the good ones. You're on the type of drugs that get you in cuckoo's nest. You are a psychopath if you think that's Michigan's attitude. Michigan's going to come in like, dude, let's fucking murder these guys. I want It's Michigan State. Let us embarrass these dudes on their home floor. They thought losing, they thought losing to Illinois on the road was bad. Wait till they lose to us on their home floor 
in one of our down years. Like that's Michigan's attitude. They want to stick it to us, bro. And Michigan State better answer the fucking bell. Because if Michigan State loses Saturday after what happened in Champaign this week, there are going to be issues. People are going to be angry. People were angry this week. People were angry, myself included, after that Illinois game for many reasons. Obviously, kind of the poor play from the team. But for me, Izzo's fucking attitude, the way Izzo plays these guys, the way Izzo manages the lineups. And like I said, I, I don't know if I talked about it in the podcast. I know I did the I know I did a TikTok on it after MSU had lost to Northwestern. The way Izzo, I swear to God, I swear to God, has the attitude, eh, if they lose, it's whatever. It'll build character. I swear to God, Izzo thinks that sometimes. I swear we're in the middle of the game and Julius Marble hasn't done a single productive thing in the 10 minutes he's played, yet Izzo, yeah, let's leave him in there. He's doing okay. Let's leave him in there. I don't know what it is. I don't know if Izzo's mentality is let's leave him in there, fight through the storm, fucking sharpen him, build character for March. I don't know if Izzo's like, yeah, let's leave him in there, let him flounder, see if the other guys can bail him out. Let's leave him in there, see if he can pick himself up. Like, I don't know what the justification is, but he I swear to God, Tom Izzo thinks like that in some of these games. Or at least the way Maybe he's not thinking that, but he coaches like that. And I refuse to believe that me, a guy who never played organized basketball, certainly has never coached organized basketball. I refuse to believe that me sitting on my couch with one hand in my pants and the other in a box of Cheez-Its can call out a dog shit lineup within 60 seconds of it being out there. Yet Tom Izzo can watch him run for five minutes and doesn't change it. I refuse to believe that Izzo doesn't acknowledge, oh my God, Julius Marble is fucking sabotaging our chances at winning this game against Illinois. I refuse to believe that Tom Izzo doesn't say, wow, Joey Hauser may not be cut out for this after all. But you know what? Let's play him 15 more minutes tonight. I refuse to believe he doesn't notice it because he's a Hall of Fame coach. You don't make the tournament 25 years in a row or whatever it is without being good at your job. It just doesn't happen. You can only get so lucky so much. So why is it that when there's an apparent fish on the floor for MSU, when there's a guy out there that is actively causing us to lose, why is it that Tom Izzo seemingly forgets about him, forgets, hey, you guys stay in, have fun. Have fun. Stay in the game. Have, have a good one. You Just enjoy it. I don't understand why that happens. It happens all the fucking time. States bailed them out a few times this year, or I should say states bailed themselves out a few times this year. They have these two losses in conference. It feels like they could have three or four, to be honest, but MSU just found a way. Northwestern at home. Joey Hauser had the tip and at the end easily could have lost that game. I just don't understand it. I really don't. And you know what makes it even worse is coming off that win against Wisconsin on the road. Unbelievable environment. They were a top 10 team. They It's Michigan State. Anytime Michigan State comes to town, you're going to get up for it. Horrible fucking start for MSU. And they came back and silenced that place. They put Wisconsin in a chokehold. And then you show up to Illinois this week and just lay a fucking Cleveland steamer. I don't get it.
and Tom Izzo seemingly allows you to to lay the Cleveland steamer. I know Tom can't control guys missing threes. I know Tom can't come in and dribble for Joey Hauser. I know Tom can't come in and fucking force A.J. Hogard to only pass it to guys that play for Michigan State. I understand that when they get in the game, it's out of his control. What Tom can do is watch A.J. Hogard gift baskets to Illinois. He can watch Joey Hauser consistently consistently turn the ball over anytime he even he doesn't even have to dribble he just thinks about dribbling and he turns it over tom izzo can make that change tom izzo can say no more of that tom izzo can do something to avoid that yet he doesn't it drives me fucking crazy and if it happens this saturday if michigan state loses and tom izzo's letting guys play that are just minus 20 he's letting guys play that can't buy a bucket he's letting guys play that couldn't be more careless with the basketball he's letting guys play that don't want to rebound don't really want to move their feet on defense we're gonna have some fucking problems and what makes me even more sick about all of this is some of those things that he lets these guys stay in for are against everything Izzo stands for they're against his creed they should make his bones bruise just at the thought of them. You're not going to play defense or rebound? How the fuck are you even on the practice team? You're not going to make shots? All right, that happens. You're going to turn it over eight times a game? How the fuck did you convince Izzo to let you play in a real game? That's what also just baffles me. They're they're committing cardinal sins against the Izzo school of basketball, the Izzo constitution of basketball, and he still looks the other way and doesn't mind it. I can't understand it. I don't, I, I won't try to anymore because trying to understand it, stand that makes him, makes me more angry. All I know is he better figure it the fuck out Saturday and they better take care of Michigan. Anytime you play Michigan, it's a must win, right? It's a huge game. There are no excuses. There is no, oh, well, they won the last 10, so it's okay to lose one. Fuck no, not against Michigan. You win 10 in a row and you drop one to Rutgers, you drop one to Northwestern, all right, fine. It's the Big Ten. You're going to lose games. You won a bunch, whatever. Not Michigan. There is no, oh, that's fine. No, it's not fine. Fucking beat Michigan. But the fact that they lost to Northwestern at home in a terrible game and then they lost to Illinois like they did this week, it's more so – you better fucking take care of business. And then you factor in Michigan's not good this year. This isn't the Michigan team we've come to expect the last four or five years. This isn't a Big Ten contending top 25 rank. Now, Michigan stinks. These guys are competing to get into the NIT. You better fucking beat these guys. Now, let's look at it from the Michigan perspective. All those things I said about the rivalry – certainly apply for Michigan. Michigan plays Michigan State. There is no, oh, we just beat Indiana and we just beat Northwestern. Like, we can afford to drop one. Fuck no. There is no, oh, we beat them a couple times last year, so you know what? There is no, we're having a down year, so if we lose. No, that doesn't exist. That No. If you're Michigan, this is a must-win game. I know it's on the road. I know Michigan State, right, is the better team. They have more hype around them. They're higher ranked. Not that Michigan state has a ton of hype around them, but U of M is the underdog. It's still, it's still for Michigan is we better beat the fuck out of these guys. I know that 
I hope Michigan State knows that. I know Michigan knows that. Juwan Howard, you don't think he wants to beat Michigan State? You don't want you don't think he wants to beat Izzo? I can't even imagine how jacked up he gets for this game. You get to coach against Tom Izzo. You get to come to East Lansing to the Breslin, where Tom Izzo rarely loses. You get to come with your I mean, he's only been there what two years. You get to come with your worst team, the worst team Michigan's had in a long time, and you get a chance to quite frankly, embarrass Michigan State on their home floor, they got to be licking their fucking chops in Ann Arbor. And I don't blame them. Ironically enough, it's the exact, the roles are reversed. This is what Michigan State, the position we were in last year. And we took one. We took one. We took the one at home and it was great. Don't let them take one. Don't let Michigan take one because they're looking at it the same way we did. And Michigan State, a lot of our brand, the culture of MSU, football mainly, but also basketball is the underdog mentality. No, everyone's counting us out. Nobody believes. Now Michigan's got that working for them. I don't know how I feel about that. I don't like it. I know that. I don't like it. I would prefer if Michigan didn't have any underdog complex to this weekend. I'd appreciate it if Michigan thought they were going to come in and steamroll us because that's how you get snuck up on. That's how you get a fucking fist in the mouth and you're down 20 at halftime. I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's going to be a dogfight, but I need state to be prepared from the Michigan angle. As far as the game's concerned, this is, this is everything you want. I think in a rivalry game, like I said, you, your team, you know, it's not great. You're still got a shot at the tournament. You got to go on an all-time run, which would include winning this game. But you're kind of playing with house money a little bit. The pressure's on MSU, right? You just come in, you play your game, you do what's been working for Michigan the last couple of games and see what happens. MSU's the one you got to execute. You got to play tight. You got to be locked in. Michigan State is the team that I think has more pressure on it, that has more expectation and more angst. Like if things don't go well, this game starts and there's a couple minutes where State can't buy a bucket, things aren't going well, you're going to feel buttholes clench in the Breslin Center. That happens to Michigan. A few minutes, things aren't going well. I don't know that their buttholes will clench. The place is going to be rocking. I'm sure it'll feel like momentum's all with MSU. I don't know if Michigan's going to get uptight about it, though, because they'll look around and say, all right, well, we're here. We're down 10 or whatever it is. We got nothing to lose. May as well fucking come back. Like this, You better not quit on this team. You better not quit today. This is Michigan State. Like Michigan's, I think, in the more advantageous position as far as strictly as far as like mindset and attitude coming in. I think MSU is the better team. I think MSU will win. I think MSU will come in with an edge, especially, like I said, after losing this game to Illinois. I think you or MSU will come in like we're fucking going today. Like it's all fucking engines go today. I think that will still be the case. But I think Michigan, they've got a little something extra that maybe MSU won't have. I'm excited to see a play out, though. I'm excited to see Hunter Dickinson play against MSU again. I'm excited to see the Dickinson being a matchup, especially because ah, I'm going to get angry, especially because Bingham's been in Izzo's doghouse inexplicably, in fucking explicably the last few games. I don't understand Illinois marbles getting all the minutes. Meanwhile, every time Marcus Bingham comes in the game, he blocks four fucking shots, but let's put marble back in. Who's doing nothing good. I'm excited to see Mar or, uh, Bingham on Dickinson. 
I'm excited to see Houston and Diabate, the freshman play. I'm excited to see what Juwan does to try and counter Rack State. There's nothing really great that MSU does this year, if, as, we, as we've seen. And there's nothing that they've done over long periods. We've had a couple phases. Like, there were a couple runs early Big Ten play before Big Ten play started where we were just roasting teams. Tyson Walker was aggressive. He was going to the hoop. Gabe was a man on fire. Malik was a man on fire. Malik's still been great. He was the only fucking positive against Illinois. MSU's had runs where things are really clicking and they're scoring in transition or that Tyson Walker, Marcus Bingham pick and roll is working to perfection. But now I wouldn't say there's anything MSU's particular great, particularly great at. They don't play great defense. They aren't great on the glass because Joey Hauser plays 30 minutes a game and is fucking horrible at it. They don't make a ton of threes, especially if Gabe Brown's off. They're not making any threes. They don't really have the guy that, hey, go get, give the ball to him, go get us a bucket. At least they had that last year with Aaron Henry. As bad as Michigan State was and as bad as that season was and whatever you want to say about them, at least they could give it to Aaron Henry and say, all right, you're better than everyone out here. Just go do something. They don't have that guy. Tyson Walker doesn't seem to want to be that guy. He still is having problems with his aggressiveness. They'll give him a lane. He won't take it. They'll let him shoot a three. He won't take it. And then he'll have moments where he kind of forces going to the rim and is putting up contested layups. A.J. Hogard literally can't make a pass to the correct team. Max Christie has no interest in doing anything unless it's dribbling 10 feet behind the three-point line and handing it off to Hogard or a catch and shoot. And he hasn't really found his stroke yet. That's another guy MSU could use to just fucking figure it out one time. Bingham started off great. Bingham looked like he was going to elevate this team to heights. We didn't think they were capable of. And then all of a sudden he's playing five fucking minutes a game because Izzo's mad at him for God knows what, even though Izzo's going to let Joey Hauser be an absolute liability at everything except shooting threes for every game this season. There's nothing state does particularly well. There's nothing that like, if I'm a Michigan fan and I'm looking at MSU, there's nothing really that scares me. There's been teams when we had Cassius Winston, both those years, if I'm a Michigan fan and, and Cassius is playing in those games, like, yeah, that sucks. Like you're probably not going to win the game. If Cassius is playing, sorry, <laughs> hate to break it to you. If Cassius plays, you're probably going to lose. We don't have that. We don't have Miles Bridges. We don't have Jaron Jack. Like, we don't have fucking anything to be afraid of. The only thing to be afraid of is Izzo figure something out. Izzo implements something new. Izzo tries a new rotation that just works. Like, you don't have anything to be worried about if you're a Michigan fan. As far as, like, things that should really, really scare you about this game. Now, from the MSU side... I don't think we have anything to be overly worried about either. When they beat Indiana, they shot 83%. Michigan nearly blew their lead to Northwestern tonight. I didn't watch the game. Um, you could say Dickinson is a, is the guy MSU needs to take care of, which he certainly is. If you're going to let Hunter Dickinson feast on you in the low post, that's, that's what Michigan wants you to do. Michigan is begging you to let Dickinson just get one-on-one -on -one jump hooks all day. I think Bingham could hang with him. I think Bingham could affect those jump hooks. We'll see. I'm sure Tom Izzo, at least to start, will let him go one-on-one. -on -one. But if we – if I – oh, my God. I, I The fact that this is even a fucking possibility that this may happen on Saturday, if we see Joey Hauser or Julius Marble 
trying to guard Hunter Dickinson, I'm going to fucking scream. I will, dude. I'll dive headfirst over my balcony because it would make zero sense and it would play into exactly what Michigan wants you to do. Bingham and Dickinson, minute for minute. And if it's not Bingham, it's got to be Suzoko. You got to put someone that looks like a man that can put some fucking resistance on Dickinson and can bring some length to bother Dickinson. You have to. I don't care how hard marble works. I don't care if Joey Hauser's been busting his tail and he feels bad because of tweets he's seen online. I don't give a fuck. Put in the guy that can guard Dickinson. Make him pass out of the post. Make other guys do stuff. If they shoot 83% from three, they just set another world record. You're going to lose anyway. It is what it is. That probably won't happen. But you know what has a good chance of happening is Hunter Dickinson cooking Julius Marble or Joey Hauser in the post all day. That's got a decent chance of happening. Caleb Houston going four for seven or four for six from threes. Probably not. Anybody else on Michigan doing that? Probably not. Hunter Dickinson cooking in the post? Probably. Unless you get Marcus Bingham on him. I think it's going to be a great game, though. I really do. I'm excited. Like I said, this is what college sports is about. This is what college hoops is about. I think it goes Duke, UNC, and then Michigan, Michigan State. It feels like every time they get together, the games are close. Like last year, State was fucking horrible. Michigan was great. First game sucked. Second game, Michigan State won. It was a great game. Every year, every time they meet, it feels like the cash is here. Ann Arbor, that was a great game. In East Lansing, that was a great game. In the Big Ten Tournament, that was a great game. It feels like every time U of M and MSU get together, it's awesome. It's close. The place is buzzing. Breslin's going to be fucking wild. I'm jealous of anybody going. I wish I could be there. I, mm, oh, I wish I could be there. There are a few sporting events I truly, truly wish I could go to. I'm sad I won't be in East Lansing Saturday, but anybody who is enjoy it, it's a one-of-a-kind experience being there. In the winter on a college football Saturday, or I mean college basketball Saturday, it's a beautiful thing. I can't wait to watch. I can't wait to partake. I can't, I, I'm so excited and I'm so happy that I'm a part of this rivalry that I went to MSU. And Michigan fans, you should feel the same. I've never understood why, I mean, it's like the whole arrogance, we don't care factor, which is lame. I've never understood why Michigan people are like, they're not our rival, like, it's fucking cool having a good rivalry. It's sick being part of games that someone in fucking Topeka, Kansas is like, oh, Michigan, Michigan State play today. Like, they're, they, those are great games. I want to watch. Like, it's sick being part of something that is notorious. It's so cool. I'll never understand the people that are like, no, they're not our rivalry. Dude, it's okay. It's okay. Michigan and Michigan State do great shit when they play each other. It's okay to enjoy it. It's okay to acknowledge that it's awesome. Like, that's fine, dude. I can't wait. I can't wait. Go green. We need a win. Otherwise, I'm going to come back here Tuesday with my hair on fire. I'm going to be worse than fucking Hades from the Hercules movie. I am going to be a disgusting person if they lose. That said, I don't think they will. I have the ultimate faith in the boys. I have faith in Tom Izzo to figure it out. He's fucking Tom Izzo. I have faith. If they don't panic button, I have faith that they will. I can't wait. Have a wonderful, wonderful weekend, everybody. I appreciate you all listening. Go green. We'll talk to you next week.